This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Welcome to Talking Flutes and a very happy 2022 to all our listeners. I'm here with JP, John Paul, and he's in his house in Kent and I'm here in Ho, so we're on Zoom because we couldn't quite find a time to get together uh, in person. So happy new year to you, John Paul. Happy New Year, Claire. As you can see, my voice has been, you know, I've been speaking too much over Christmas and it's now New Year. <laughs> Hello, Claire. Oh dear. Hello, Claire. Oh dear. <laughs> Hello, Claire. Nothing changes. I'm back 2022 and I'm still as crackers as always. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, did you have a good Christmas? Yes, my lady. I did. I did. I had the kids home. The dog behaved herself. I tried to do a jigsaw and the dog ate it. And, and I had a few sherbets. And, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Thank you for asking. You? Well, relatively quiet, apart from the dogs. Quite a lot of nourishment in terms of food and drink. Started the jigsaw, yes. Lots of nice walks. And have just started going back to the gym, which is well needed after all the nourishment. Nourishment. You're so posh, aren't you? Nourishment. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Claire. I'll speak normally now. Sorry. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. (laughs) I didn't know where this was going, did you? (laughs) No, I thought I might have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. So, maybe. so we've, got some, we've got some questions again from our listeners. Oh, to start the new year with. Oh, how wonderful. Yep. So our question is, banishing the past to the past and creating a new start for practice and performance. Cool. That's a, okay. that's, that's a long sentence, isn't it? Banishing the past yeah, to the past. Yeah, banishing the past to the past. Well, I think... What's nice about the new year is that you can just sort of push the old year away and think ahead. Um, and it's as we've done before at the new year, we talk about it's a time for sort of setting new goals, resolutions and real, realistic goals, which is a very subjective question, of course. We could say that a realistic goal is when you the chances of your success and of achieving your goals, they're high. And so setting goals are good, but as long as they're not too high or too low, because that can be so disappointing and depressing. (laughs) Uh, So it's being realistic with us. Because goals can help us achieve things that achieve more. But having thought about your goals and thinking, ah, yes, I can take myself from A to B, you've actually got to then make sure that you do it and turn that goal, those goals into some sort of actions. So think about the difference between dreaming about something and actually doing something. Uh, Dreams can make you feel really good, but goals need you to plan and to focus and to act. So they need to come from, they can come from you, or they can come from a teacher, or they can come from listening to podcasts or something inspirational. But if you can, if you do have a teacher, maybe let that teacher guide you and help give you practical advice. Maybe don't make your goals too general. 
like I must practice more, I must eat less, keep them, keep your goals quite specific. For example, I'm going to try and practice so many days a week, three days a week, four days a week. I'm going to timetable my practice so that I achieve it. Or I'm going to learn something new each week, like a scale or a movement of a piece. So it's being specific. You can have a long-term goal, which could be I'm going to event, I'm going to learn all my scales. But your short-term goal is I'm going to do one a week. And it's like we, we often say, you know, long-term goals, I'm going to get fitter. And the short-term goal is I'll go to the gym once a week or I'm going to walk every day or I'm going to, to jog twice a week. And then within your short-term goals, try and pull out those weaker areas. So maybe it's getting your sound a little bit better, getting your fastest a bit, I think, <laughs> fuzzy articulation, get your articulation a little bit better, <laughs> uh, making your fingers, getting your fingers a little faster and, and plan it, just plan it so that you don't, it doesn't have to be anything extreme here or, com or complex, something very, very simple. And if you write it down, it makes it more realistic, more real. So we always say that if you aim too low, it can demotivate, but a high aim can give you lots of energy and thrust you into action. But be careful that, that you don't aim too high, which will stop you. Maybe you'll give up. Confidence, motivation, skill, discipline, control, planning, time. And one step at a time. How wonderful. You said it all, didn't you? I, for me, banish, I like that sentence, banishing the past to the past, because how, how easy is that? It's actually quite hard, isn't it? Banishing the past to the past. And you're right, is that you can choose any day to start doing everything that you've just spoken about. But January the 1st seems to be the just a natural time because it's a, a new year, a new number. 2022 so i think we have to sign up to banishing the past the past whatever great things happened in the past or what not great things happened in the previous year we have the opportunity to begin afresh and what claire cleverly did is that she without actually saying the word she she sort of cut everything down into chunks in other words you have your short long-term goal and you have your short-term goal and within that short-term goal is all these little chunks which is what I do every year. I have I work on marginal gains, which is if my aim was to get from A to B, how big is that gain and how small can I just work on each little thing? Because as Claire said, if you've got weakness with your sound and you've got weakness, but you haven't got weakness with your technique, don't spend all your time on your sound because your technique will suffer. So it's doing little small incremental improvements. And they are achievable, aren't they? They are achievable. So within everything Claire said, I would just add to that, chunk it, add small little marginal gains, record yourself, and also sign up to the fact that you can have good days and bad days and embrace the good and also embrace the bad because the bad will come. And I see bad, but, you know, the days when you're not feeling great, where I wake up most days, my, my chops, they feel like rubber tyres. So, you know, and I scare the neighbours, I scare the birds outside, I scare the dog when I start practicing. So I think my aim this year is not to scare anybody. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> I think you can also learn from your off days, probably more than your on days. 
you know, if you have a little think about it, you know, or, you know, if you're not sounding very good or if your fingers aren't working quite so well, have a little think about why, you know, are you too cold, too hot? Did you sleep well? Have you eaten, eaten well? If we think of ourselves, as we've talked before about, think of us, ourselves like athletes, athletes need to keep the nourishment right in order to perform at the highest level. So if I use my golf analogy, because it's the new year and I think I really should, bringing golf again. So professional golfers, they make a point of, they play around a golf which takes at least five hours. And they have to make sure they're drinking regularly and eating regularly. So that they keep the energy throughout the, the five hours. So we have to do the same thing. If, you're, if you pick up your flute after you've just got out of bed, you're not going to have maybe the right sort of energy with which to do a, a really good out of practice where you're focused and you're th- thinking about what you're doing. So you need to maybe eat something or drink, drink something or have a walk first or you know, make sure the environment in which you're playing is good, that it's warm enough, that it's quiet, that you're not disturbed, that you're not distracted. So there was so many factors involved in being able to do a decent amount of practice. So yes, really thinking about when you're having a bad day is how you can make it a little bit better for the day after. And that brings, you sent me this little list over, that brings us quite nicely into number two, which I'm a bit of a fanatic at, but um, journaling, the importance of writing things down. Are you a list person, Claire? I am very much a list person. <laughs> journaling is sort of a new word, isn't it? It, it, it means taking some time to think about stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, yes, and writing it into a diary of some description. What are you doing? I'm just holding a golf tee up I just found in my, t- in my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Uh-huh. Shows that you've been playing golf. Excellent, well done. <laughs> I think playing golf is uh, not the right word, Claire. sorry yeah it's um journaling it's writing down your thoughts and feelings about something rather than creating a list it can be sort of about what you've done maybe during that day and about something that maybe that's inspired you or something that's bothering you yeah I mean for me personally I'm a list freak I write lists on everything if I have to begin the day I will check the list I made from the night before and add anything that needs to be added. And I would, I will circle them. I won't cross them off. I'll circle them once they're done. For me, journaling is very important because we all undergo sort of emotional and physical highs and lows in a month. And that, that does affect how we are as musicians and how we are as flute players, because we don't have a mouthpiece. We don't have a string. We don't have a reed. Really, we, we are the sum of our voice. And our emotional well-being, I think there is a direct correlation with how we perform in our practice and our lessons and as a musician. So what I like to do is I like to write down each day, yeah, the good things I've done and how it's made me feel. But I also have a little code which I can refer back to, which is because if anyone finds my journal, I don't want them to know my innermost thoughts. I was feeling really low or yeah, I was manic, you know, which I, mean, I think I have more manic days than I have low days. But I don't want everyone to necessarily know, but I want to be able to go and look and say, ah, the reason why I wasn't playing so well last week was because of this. So I have three symbols that I add to my journal. So if I'm feeling really good that day, and I'm talking about not good with my play. I mean, you could add this as like a, a playing one. But for me, it's emotionally how am I feeling? 
So if I'm feeling good and positive, I'll put a cross. I'll just put a little cross and an add sign. If I'm not feeling, if I'm feeling, hmm, come see, come so, I'm feeling sort of okay, sort of chilled, but okay. I'll put an equals. So I'm with sort of equilibriums there. And if I'm not feeling really good, I'll, I'll have a minus sign, subtraction. And you could do this with your music. So it could it'd be interesting because there is often a correlation between the plus, the equals and the minus sign if you're feeling like that and how your practice and your performance is going. The benefit happens is when you go to your lessons or you go and do a performance because you, you can look back and say, ah, the reason why I was playing well or I had freedom then was... I understand it because I wasn't feeling that good. I wasn't on my on my game. But what's really interesting is once you start writing that plus equals minus, how gradually you begin to change, and you can you can quite f- easily switch that minus to an equilibrium. So journaling is not only for me writing down how I'm feeling about doing something. You know, how did I how did my scales go this morning? Did I do everything I wanted to do? Which piece am I playing? Am I am I going to try and play the through the whole piece, or am I chunking it into sub subsections? But I do little codes on how it was making me feel and how I believed it went. And journaling is it's good to look back, and it is only a looking back. And once what's gone is gone. But you, as you've said in many many previous podcasts, Claire, you can always learn by something that's gone. And when you learn from something that's gone, the next day is a brand new day and you've learned something so if you haven't played particularly well in an exam or in a uh, an audition or with uh, in a lesson why haven't you look back through your journal did I practice did I do everything I should have done was I feeling not great and just sort of passed on the practice because there will be a correlation between the outcome and what you have or haven't done yeah it's it's interesting isn't it Uh, so what you're saying is it can be a very supportive practice to engage in, but maybe especially during difficult times. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Because it, it can you can use it as a tool to help improve how you're feeling and yeah. how you're thinking about things, where you can sort of start to notice maybe any problems or fears you've got or concerns you've got, and you can sort of almost track them and put them down on paper, almost like, releases some of the anxiety about it as well I think it does and sometimes Claire if I have two or three days where I have a negative I know that one day I'm going to get a plus so I I just think oh it's another day where I'm not feeling that great so it's negative but tomorrow might be a plus so there is always that looking ahead not worrying about I mean you could say the reverse is that three or four days of plus Ooh, I've got minus coming but it just does help just to sort of twist you out of a mindset you may be in and for for me it works it helps me understand what place I'm in so when I can track back is why why did I do something well or why didn't I do something well I have this information that I can learn from great advice I think so just to sort of be a bit concisive then so you would say the journaling means you're putting aside a little bit of undistracted time to sit down and think about stuff stuff yeah and how you and how you regard stuff is very personal for me i mean a lot of people like to write their feelings down for me i just like to have three little signs which i can easily see but yeah that's it's stuff it is writing down stuff for me this is really very very new because i write lists 
but I don't really do journaling. And I think I'm going to start that this year, I think. I think it's a really good process to go through. It might help with the golf. Thank you for that. That's all right, my lady. Next sort of question. I suppose we've just covered it, the importance of prioritising self-care in 2022. Yeah, I mean, for me, it is, I only came to self-care probably, well, in the last couple of years. As you know, I'm a long-time meditator and you meditate as well. But for me, self-care and finding time for me has never really been forefront of my mind. But when you look at musicians and you look at the standard of flute players coming, well, young flute players and those that are coming through the conservatoire system, the pressures on young people are so, so high that sometimes the enjoyment gets taken out of it. And if you're an adult flute player, you're, you're trying your hardest, but you're always being very self-critical. And when you're being self-critical, it doesn't add to your feelings of well-being. So the importance of self-care, taking time to, for yourself, taking time to listen to a podcast, to read a book, to yeah. try and relax how you are, and to look at the flute as a, as a tool of enjoyment. So that's, for me, that's the importance of self-care. Yeah, and self-care, same as as in any year, but now that mental health issues are so much more in the open and being talked about, it feels easier to look after ourselves. I mean, certainly when I was at college, no one ever talked about their mental health. No, Um, It was was, was a weakness. You never talked about it. You just got on with it. And I don't know how damaging that has been over the years for so many of us, but it's... I feel it's not healthy, but now it feels much healthier for people to to say how they're feeling and in which case they can then get help. So it's so important to prioritise your own self-care. Be very much aware of how you're feeling and how you're working in order to progress. And as your son, Dr. Joe, said in one of his podcasts this year, it's okay to talk to people a friend, a relative, it's okay. In fact, not only it's okay, it's vital that if you're not feeling great, yeah, and if you're feeling really, really low, seek urgent attention because you're not going mad and just that release of tension by talking to someone will help. Yeah, and one of our questions was was self-care strategies to consider implementing. Well, I think we've covered a lot of it, but yeah. again, to, to be slightly concise, so it's yes, journaling realistic expectations, taking time off, but also putting in the practice, planning your long and short-term goals, asking for help, maybe consultation lessons when it gets to be, to be a bit more fluty specific. And do you know the good thing about consultation lessons and the use of Zoom is that you can actually study with anybody in the world. Absolutely. And yeah. that is part of your self-care because your self-care is not necessarily confined to one teacher. Self-care is looking after yourself, looking after interpretation. And the wonderful podcast that Claire did last year with Patricia Nagel, which is about the line, the importance of the line, the importance of phrasing. When you go to different teachers, you're not playing as you're not playing bark the same way with one teacher as you will another teacher. There'll be certain emphasis and certain styles and certain lines that they'll be asking you to take. And Part of your self-care, as Claire has said in previous podcasts, is about learning and is about having other influences. And being open to many different perspectives (laughs) on what you're doing. Yes. 
And that is very hard in the flute world, isn't it, to actually be an open because there's very di- there's, many, there's a few different schools, there's different styles of playing, and you're exactly right, being open and not critical, not critical of others and not critical of yourself. Which also very nicely segues into our next sort of topic, which is the importance of being your your own unique self and not trying to imitate others. Good grief. We're, we're all looking for our own uniqueness or our unique selling point, like maybe I should say, <laughs> or we should be, I think. The flute world is highly competitive. And I think sounding different is important, sounding different in a, in a good way. Being able to stand out from other players, but in a good way. Yeah, that's um, not being loud, is it? No, I've just, just remembered <laughs> about there was a student at the Royal Northern many, many moons ago. She appeared one day with green hair. Stunning flute player, but she just decided to go green. And so she wasn't allowed in the orchestra. <laughs> because, you know, she would just stand out so much. So she thought she couldn't be in the orchestra, so she changed it to spiky blonde, which still made her stand out as just having a bad hair day, but at least it wasn't stand out as the, as the green hair. But it, it's interesting that she was just trying to assert herself, I suppose, in a way, but maybe not necessarily in, in the right sort of way. I think it's very important to create your own style of playing rather than outrageous images. Trying to create your own style. There's a tendency for quite a lot of players. This is a very general viewpoint here. Uh, there's a tendency to go to learn with lots of different teachers, sort of six months here, six months there, to swap around your teachers. And then on a CV, it says, I've, I've learned with this person, this person, this person, this person. Well, you haven't. You've just had six months with maybe, you know, half a dozen lessons. I don't think it's healthy to go just a few months with one teacher and then move on to another teacher. I think in order to develop your own style, you need to stick with one teacher. So thinking about some general things then, in order to create your, your own unique selling point, look at your, the first things you can look at. So I said, yes, try not to keep swapping teachers because you, it's very difficult to develop your own style if you keep swapping. Don't copy what you hear on recordings because that, that again is not your style, it's someone else's style. Use them for inspiration but you've got, to, you've got to learn to develop your own way of interpreting things. I always used to say to students, when you're learning a piece for the first time, don't go and listen to it. Because it's so easy. If you've got a good ear, you'll just copy it. Develop your own style interp- and interpretation. Learn a piece and make decisions on what you want to do with it in order to help this uniqueness. Look at your program planning. So if you've got to give out concert programs think about how you can make it interesting so you can start to get a name for yourself as having really interesting programs that people get excited about so it might not just be flute and piano you might introduce other instruments you might introduce a singer you might um you might uh i think about introducing your pieces uh connecting with your audience, communicating with them, and then you get a, a reputation for the, for the artist who always makes a point of, of listening and talking. And so you create a, a relationship with the people who've paid money to come and hear you play. How you dress, that image, so not like my ex-student who had green hair, but you know maybe there's a, a, an image, the way you dress, which 
creates a buzz when you when you give a concert or when you go to an audition not too outrageous but think about maybe some sort of image and then how you react to your audience and and your peers how you relate to them so that it becomes part of your uniqueness I would 100% agree with that. And questions that people have asked me before is, how do you know your unique self? Well, the thing is, you do know your unique self. If you're shy, if you're an introvert, you know you're shy and an introvert. But that shouldn't be viewed as a negative. That can also be viewed as a positive. And just like if you're an extrovert, sometimes as, as the lady, as you're one of your students with green hair, she knew who, who she was because she changed her hair to green but didn't know that that wasn't that 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 would not help her career. So your unique self is knowing when to temper your personality, and knowing when if you're an introvert and you're quite a shy person, when to just add a layer of of you know if you have to act as a musician, you act all the time anyway because you're telling a story. But if you have to add something to your well-being to your whole to be able to communicate to another audience, then as long as you know your starting point, then you're staying true to yourself. And I totally agree when it comes to don't try and copy other people's sounds. So many people over the years have tried to be mini Sir James's and you hear that beautiful, beautiful vibrato and there is only one person in the world that can ever sound like Sir James and that is Sir James. And I think create, when you hear flute players, there's so many different flute players. Each and each one has their own self. And each one of these flute players you listen to is attractive as a sound to different people. There is no right, there is no wrong. There is no, we only have personal preference. And there isn't a, there isn't a golden medal for personal preference. So I totally agree. Finding your unique self in how you look, how you think, how you play, and how you sort of conduct yourself as a musician is the only way forward, really. I remember from um, so many lessons where I've heard a student play a piece for the first time and I know exactly which recording they've listened to. <laughs> and there's, there's nothing original about what it is that they're doing, which is why I just wanted to reiterate, please don't listen to someone's recording to learn how to play something. Get the score learn it on your own and make decisions because there's there's no there's not really a right and a wrong way i mean yes there are different stylistic um uh questions you have to sort of ask yourself but your teacher is there to guide you it's very difficult to guide someone who's just got so sort of entrenched in a particular person's way of of performing something so be creative and you can only be creative when you're with when you're on your own practicing with your own thoughts and ideas yeah and that is your unique self because that is who you are isn't it your own thoughts your own ideas and you know we ultimately we're not I'm not you you're not me I'm not anybody else and it's I think deep down we all know who we are and it's bringing that out as a musician isn't it as a flute player yeah so not gimmicks, something that's that's well thought out and not copying. Although imitation is the best form of flattery, but we need your own creativity to come through. Try something different. And that's what makes the magic, isn't it?
Yep, that's what makes the magic. So I think that's that's our, our podcast for the new year. New year, new you. I think we've helped with a lot of areas that people can can look at in terms of setting new goals, journaling, being positive, self-care. I hope that's helpful to people. And uh, if you've got any comments, just let us know, please. Yeah, flutepodcasts at gmail.com. And before I forget, and I'm going to try and make a habit of this, is whatever podcast station or channel you're listening to on, please can you give us a like and a rating, please? Because flute players are coming to Talking Flutes all the time as they, they discover podcasts. Even though podcasts have been the big thing for the last couple of years, believe it or not, flute players... Only when I meet flute players, they oh, talking flutes, I haven't heard of that. So they then go and find it. So if you rate and like us, then the newbies amongst you will be able to find us much, much easier. So yes, rate and like. And send us an email to, as I said, flutepodcast at gmail.com. You can contact Claire directly on Instagram at Claire Flute and at Twitter at Claire Flute. Brilliant. Thank you, Claire. Happy New Year to you again. Um, happy New Year to you and look forward to chatting to you again soon with, with a lot more questions. I look forward to it, my lady. Look forward to it very much. Bye for now. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.